Greetings, I am Erin Patton, metaphysical master in a millennial age, and it is my life's purpose to guide you and organizations along an enlightened path. So I invite you to sit comfortably and tune in as I welcome you to the Meta Business Millennial, where we get the real conversations you won't get in the boardroom so that we understand this is exactly the path we need to be on in order to grow, evolve, and thrive. Greetings, I am Erin Patton and welcome to the Meta Business Millennial. I am joined here today with Carol Chan, the happiness coach from her business, The Anchored Awakening. And I'm so honored and also excited and thrilled to have her on the show today because again, we're continuing to get more and more guests that are really aligned with lifting other people up along their path. And as a happiness coach, that's exactly what Carol does. And I'm not going to get into too much detail about what she does or how she does it, because I'm going to let her tell y'all herself. So without further ado, welcome Carol to the show. Thank you so much, Erin. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Well, it is such a pleasure to have you, as I mentioned before. And I want you to just kind of start with telling the guests, telling our listeners, our followers, our viewers, um, a little bit more about yourself. Um, where are you from? Like, tell us a little bit about your, your, I guess, your career background, your professional background, and a little bit into how you got to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm originally from, well, I was born in California, actually, the Bay Area, um, but I moved to New Jersey when I was two. So I grew up in New Jersey, um, East Coast native, And then um, I currently live in the Portland, Oregon metro area. Um, I've been here for about 15 years. And so very much Pacific Northwest for life. Um, Yes. Yeah, there's not much East Coast left in me. Maybe a little bit of the driver. (laughs) Um, But um, so in terms of my career, I actually was a therapist for 10 years. Wow. and just made the switch into coaching from therapy um, just a couple months ago. And so there's a lot of what I do that is very much informed by therapy background, very much informed by the mental health um, kind of clinical knowledge. Um, yeah, and and that I think what always drove me in the therapy career was more actually of the metaphysical spiritual aspect of really helping people connect with something deeper, um, Mm -hmm. getting to the heart of things Mm -hmm. and really coming home to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that even before I had the language of that, you know, coming home to yourself, going deeper, there was always a curiosity that I had about the human experience and a real desire to live deeply. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and, in kind of preparing for today's interview, I thought about it's funny to be asked to talk about my life because I'm like, man, I'm 40. There's a lot to talk about. You know, (laughs) (laughs) how long do you have? You know, Um, but I think I think that I've thought so much about my life and in really understanding who I am, there's been a lot of reflection of what are the important points Right. What are the influential moments? What yeah. are, you know, what what truly made me who I am in both a really formative way and also in um, a, a challenging sort of way? Mm. Um, so to kind of go back into my background, um, my parents are from Taiwan. Um, mm-hmm. and they moved here to basically start a life and have a family. So I'm a child of Taiwanese immigrants. Um, and. I've thought a lot about that too, you know, what that experience is like. And what I'll say is at the time, you know, they moved here late seventies. I think that there was not a lot of preparation that they were given or could have been given about how to raise Western children. Right. um, Because the culture is just so different, you know, um, and that what ended up happening was there was a disconnect between of what kind of life I was prepared, I was being prepared to have and what kind of life I ended up having or or Mm. what kind of life a person growing up in the United States um, and, you know, kind of all of the socioeconomic factors and the cultural factors, but 
the kind of life I was going to have and the life that I was being prepared to have were very different. Yeah. And that it led to, it led to a lot of feeling lost for me. Um, so I was very high achieving, which is kind of very typical of, of children of immigrants. Yeah. Um, did very, very well in school, did all the subjects, you know, um, but I would say my true passion from the get-go was love and storytelling. Yes. <laughs> and that th those things, they don't have a traditional career path, you know? And so there was this focus on, you know, being academically successful to set myself up for a career, but I didn't really even know how to care about that. Um, and so I ended up um, getting an undergraduate degree in English and creative writing. Um, which I basically did nothing with. <laughs> yeah. So I got sat into the real world and kind of just floundered around for a little bit. You know, I, I worked in the education sector. Um, I did a little bit of time in a, um, a creative ad agency in recruiting and had some sort of thought of like, where could this take me? You know, um, but what ended up really driving me was I met a boy and fell in love and he was moving out here to Portland. And I was like, guess I'm coming with you. And that was one of the biggest changes I made in my life. I mean, I'm still here. Right. Um, so it was love that brought me here. Mm. And then I was like, well, I still need to figure out my career. Right. And, and just kind of through lots of experimentation and, and, being unsure, um, sort of fell into therapy. Um, so I started a graduate program in school counseling, um, thought I really wanted to help kids with their emotional development. And in that experience, um, one of the, one of the courses I took was a clinical practicum with adults, one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. therapy. And I ended up really loving that more than any of the experiences I had working in schools. Oh, wow. Yeah. So at the very last minute, I changed my track and was, you know, so I finished with a clinical mental health master's degree. And that's really, well, I guess I'm going to be a therapist now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that, so I graduated in 2013. And I would say that that's really like the beginning of the journey everything mm -hmm. had been leading up to it. Like it was like the, the preamble, you know, and then I launched into a career as a therapist and just everything that snowballed from there was realizing, you know, over time, how much I loved the spirit of therapy and how much I loved being witness to people in their pain and feeling like, you know, I think the most kind of the, the most meaningful part of having been a therapist and, and still, you know, working with people as a coach is I get to be a part of someone's joy, right? Some mm. discovery of joy. Mm. And I get invited into the most intimate parts of people's lives. Yes. And it's such an honor. And, and I really take that role very seriously, you know? Yes, that's so beautiful. I love that you say that because I believe that's one aspect that we don't ever get to think about is that this is our inner, well, I think a lot of us think about it, why people are fearful of it. <laughs> but on the other side, we're not thinking about it from the therapist's perspective about how intimate that relationship is with whoever you're um, sitting in front of you in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I also just want to express gratitude for you sharing your beautiful journey because First of all, you don't look 40, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. you look 10 years, I mean, you're like 10 years. I was like, oh, okay. She's like, must be around 30. You know, like, <laughs> but you had a whole career before that. And so that's beautiful. And, you know, and I feel like this resonates very deeply with a lot of our listeners, a lot of our viewers who are coming out of very traditional paths mm -hmm. and, you know, even maybe considering do I go into therapy versus becoming a coach or a spiritual teacher, a spiritual educator? Because they all seem so synonymous these days. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I want to get into that a little bit later, but I, I want to dig deeper into what drove you 
into that transition? Mm -hmm. Was there a catalyst that awakened your spirituality or your metaphysicalness? Because I always speak to my trauma and shaking me and shifting me into this awakening path, very accelerated path. Mm -hmm. And I know for other people, it looks different or it can also look traumatic and was just wondering, you know, what was it that for you or when was it rather when you decided, okay, I enjoy being in therapy and having this window into people's intimate lives. Yet, I feel like there could be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's an excellent question that has, for me has like three answers. Okay, I them all. I think it all belongs because so much of, I think, what, what constrains us is fear, right? And, and I would say a big theme of my life has been learning how to be fearless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and... and I'm in a very good place with my family right now. Um, But there was a time when I wasn't. So I'm trying to be careful with like how I talk about them. Um, But my mother lives in a lens of fear and anxiety. And and I think that there's very good reason for that. But that's what I was taught. Mm -hmm. And so there's a pedigree that I have of fear that my whole journey in life has been kind of learning how to open up from. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the kind of very first catalyst that's very significant to me is there was a point where I had been in therapy for about six years, um, Mm -hmm. my own therapy and took it very seriously. Right. Because I was always a very good student. Um, And (laughs) my focus had always been love. Like I, from, for as long as I can remember, always, I always wanted to be married and I always wanted to be a mom. And I kept failing in relationships. So the relationship I moved here in crashed and burned um, fairly quickly. And from then it was just constantly getting back in the dating scene, constantly getting into these relationships that were either dysfunctional or, or highly toxic, right? That they were never, they never flowed, they never felt good, and they always ended up in heartbreak. Um, and they're there was this period of time where I had just experienced just too much heartbreak um, and was, you know, and was struggling with a lot of stuff that um, I think is, 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 is very commonly understood now as codependency and anxious attachment. So just a lot of fear and a lot of grasping, um, a lot of depression, um, and it got as deep as suicidal ideation. Um, I had been, I had, had bulimia since I was 19. It was still very active, mm. um, smoking cigarettes, just all these things that when you think about the picture of like health and wellness, like not that at all, you know? Yeah. And, and I thought I'm a therapist and I've been in therapy consistently for six years and I'm not happy and I'm struggling in all these ways. Like what's missing? Hmm. What is missing? Um, there has to be more. There has to be more than what I'm getting from the therapy industry. Um, and then I fell in love with a man who was Muslim and he was a convert. And so I, I was very curious about what that would look like in a relationship. Um, so I asked him, I said, you know, what are your expectations in a partnership? You know, I see that you pray five times a day, you know, that you follow a lot of the tenets. Is that something that you would want from me if this were to continue? And he thought about it and he came back and he said, yeah, I would want a partner to be Muslim in belief and practice. Um, And I had been thinking about it already since I asked him and I was like, all right, let me give it a try. Mm. And it was astounding to me Mm. that it felt so natural for me to say yes. And, and I started to read the Quran. I started learning about Islam and so much of the word of God began to really speak to me as guidance that would have kept me from going astray. Right. Like if I had known, right. If, if I had been led by God, then I wouldn't have made all of the the decisions that I had made in my early twenties. I, and, and I really felt that I would be a lot happier. 
you know, um, and that I would feel more grounded in life. Mm-hmm. And it was just this really beautiful moment of gratitude that that God had found his way to me through through the one thing I was obsessed with, right? Which is falling in love. <laughs> and so I, I really got, I was very devout for a year, just really getting into the practice, taking in a lot of sermons. And I think it was a way of me using like what I knew, which was rule following, right? Very high achiever, followed all the rules. I Mm -hmm. needed that sort of entry point Mm -hmm. into a spiritual exploration. Yes. I really like kind of know what to do. Mm -hmm. And after about a year, I I kind of started to step away from very devout Islam, mostly because it's very hard to do that um, in the West, especially I think in Portland. (laughs) I just really needed a lot more of uh, a feeling of autonomy in how I was exploring things. I wanted to feel like there was more of a sense of community that I could find. Um, and so then I kind of started to go into exploring um, Buddhism and the Dharma. And there's actually a lot of commonality between Islam and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And finding that connection was just so validating for me and so enlivening for me. Um, and so since then, I've really been studying Dharma. I've been studying Vipassana meditation um, and getting more and more into understanding mindfulness, um, understanding the mind in general. Yes. And, and then how that really translates to the interconnectedness that we all have with each other. Yes. Like, what does it mean to, to be human by design and to have a love and acceptance for for the suffering that we invite upon ourselves because we're human and then forgiveness for that and a curiosity to um to move away from that suffering yes and and to understand how much agency each of us really has in um in choosing happiness in choosing peace, choosing equanimity. Mm. And, you know, the more and more that I've taken this on in my own life and seen it really transform me, the more I started to see that there's, it was almost like within the, the bounds of being a therapist, I could only communicate so much to clients and I could only take them so far. And I did have clients who were very interested in it. Um, and I thought, what if that, you know, what if that identity fell away, which is so Buddhist, what if that identity just fell away and I could just be with people in, in sisterhood. Right. And we didn't need to define what we're doing, but we could just reach into the, the energy between us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and have a level of trust in kind of our human ethics rather than needing to be bound by like ethics that are written by other people for right. a very specific reason. Right. right. Um, and also, you know, very logistically as a therapist, I could only serve people in the state that I was licensed in, which is Oregon. Mm-hmm. I, didn't and approach, I can reach people anywhere. Right? right. And, and what, what better way to really expand my message and and my spirit than to open it to anywhere you possibly are. If you connect with me and you want to work with me, like, let's do it. Yes. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. There are several aspects of that response that deeply resonated with me. And the first I have to point out is just that God always, source always meets you where you are. Yes. Because very similarly, I was high performing, you know, overachieving tiger mom family kind of (laughs) upbringing. And so when I started my metaphysical journey, I started with, um, through the University of Commission Sciences, which was founded by Dr. Phil Valentine. And he literally would lecture to us for like six hours at a time with accompanying slides. (laughs) (laughs) PowerPoints that I would make notes in. So 
how God, you, I, it's just amazing how the word, the truth will reach you in the means that you are most like capable in so that you can receive it in the best way. Cause it very similar to you, you had to receive that structure, that discipline of Mm -hmm. Islam and the, the, whatever boundaries that, that were, you know, created for you through that relationship with your partner to really have that awakening through love, which is obviously one of the highest emotions, one of the highest vibrations and experiences mm-hmm. versus a lot of folks who come through, through way of trauma and fear. Right. You know, you were exiting that, you know, like many folks are through, you know, the suicidal thoughts of depression into a higher vibration. And, you know, I just felt it. I felt all of that. And then, you know, moving into the aspects around therapy and you being able to see the inherent restrictions, the inherent um, boundaries that really prevent not only you from servicing people, but the people who you're servicing, you know, not enabling their full potential. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I would like to continue on, on that path of just exploring when you kind of broke that seal, if you will, and decided, okay, I want to transition fully out of this therapy vibe into something that's much more autonomous, to use your words. Yeah. Um, what did that look like? How did that transition shift happen? Because for a lot of our listeners, they need that check. They, they, well, they feel bound. I, we call them in business school, golden handcuffs, uh-huh. you know, you're putting that, that paycheck benefits, so-called, you know, you know, 401k, all of these things that you are really programmed to believe you need for your security. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, I'm giving it all up now. I'm going to just go out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and for most people, they're like, hell no, like, no, Aaron, no, I got, I can side hustle, da, 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 da. but really that leap that the risk taking is where all the magic happens. And I would mm-hmm. love to kind of hear, and I'm sure others want to, want to hear, like, how did that feel for you? What did it look like? Um, that big transition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sat on it for a long time. <laughs> I've been in private practice as a therapist um, since 2015. So being self-employed was not new to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what gave me the courage to do that other than working as a therapist um, at a mental health agency is the most soul-crushing thing Mm -hmm. one could do. Um, And so it was like desperation, right? But so, and, and I think there's a lot of kind of underlying fate in there too. Um, but I'd been self-employed and so that was not new to me. However, there's a relative security in being self-employed as a therapist because you can bill insurance. Um, people understand what therapy is. There's a context yeah. for it, yeah. you know? And so the turning point for truly really seeing coaching as not only a possibility, but like the next thing. Um, was a couple of years ago, um, I had kind of like the next meltdown. <laughs> so I, I didn't stay with the Muslim man. We we broke up actually shortly after I started exploring Islam. And um, after that, I got into a relationship with a very spiritual man who I absolutely just thought, you are the one. Like you you are so grounded. You are so far beyond where I'm at. I can always learn from you. Um, and I just felt it. I just knew that he was special, you know, and was very, just very committed to the relationship, learned how to trust a lot in that relationship. And then a couple of years ago, um, he broke up with me and it was soul crushing. It was devastating. And I was so confused because I knew this man was a good man. I knew that he was a very wise man and I couldn't understand why he was breaking up with me, right? He was saying the words, but I wasn't understanding the spirit behind the words, Mm. but I trusted him enough to know that there was something I needed to learn there. Mm. And, but at the same time, you know, I was 38. um, I, and I thought, I, I have nothing right? Like all the gratitude practice in the world was not helping me Mm -hmm. at all. 
I, I had lost him and being with him had meant that I had let go of the dream of being a mother because he was done having children. And I was so, I was so sure that he was the right person for me that I released that dream Mm. and losing him. Wow. I've lost him. I've lost the dream. Um, the, the idea of trying to find a new relationship through which to have a baby at 38 just felt wrong. It felt, it felt like that's not what my soul is needing. Right. Mm. Um, but then what do I have left? And I had this career as a therapist. Right. And I was like, I don't even care. I, what is, what is happening? You know? And that was, that was the last time I really sank into a deep depression, you know, like suicidal thoughts coming back. Like there was no hope. Um, and again, like dug really deep. There has to be more than this. How do I come back from this? And it really opened me to this next layer of honoring my core self, right? And this core self was really my divine feminine Mm -hmm. and realizing how, and I, you know, I've always identified as a woman. I've always enjoyed like girly things, right? I've always had long hair, like all the things, right? Um, And yet realizing that there were so many ways that I had not been honoring that part of me. Mm-hmm. And I had not been allowing my wise feminine, my higher self to guide me. I wasn't listening to her. I was so disconnected from her. And I was <laughs> still bulimic and still smoking cigarettes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought, I've got to get, I've got to get on the right track here. I I have to find this, this elusive happiness, right? What is the answer? And really started to connect with my inner, my inner child, right? The little girl in me, the inner teenager in me, right? This, this girl who just felt so much, not like a girl who was so confused, who was overweight, who hated herself, right? Really connecting with her with love and compassion and then allowing my higher self to come in and say, you have got this. Yes. You're you are beautiful. You are, you are fighting your way through this. And, you know, she's on the other side of it. Right. And so she's saying, you will get there. I'm with you. I'm holding you. And it was such a transformational experience. And I I thought, wow, I've never loved myself like this. And what, what a beautiful feeling. And there's no way I can help people do this in the constraints of therapy. There's just no way, Mm -hmm. right? Especially because I think the mental health industry has become so medicalized. Yeah. So pathologized. And I wanted to get as far away from that as possible. Yes. And so I thought it's time, right? Mm. It's time to move out of therapy, which is terrifying because there is that security, in it. People know what therapy is. I had a full caseload. I'd always had a full caseload. Mm. Um, and you know, people will always want to use their insurance for therapy. So I'll always have people coming in, but I thought I, I can't like, I can't continue on in that path, only helping people halfway. Yeah. When my heart will want so much more for them. Yes. It feels inauthentic. And I was so done being inauthentic with anyone, let alone myself. Come on now. (laughs) Yeah. And so then it became, when am I going to do this? And it took about a year of planning um, and really spiritual preparation of, I'm going to, I'm going to really trust that this is my path. Everything that I've experienced has led me to do this. Right. And there's all sorts of rituals that I've been doing with the help of my partner um, to set me up well. I've got divine help (laughs) guiding me, telling me what's right, you know, and really trusting that and saying, all right, here I am, you know, I'm doing the best work I can. And that's going to take me somewhere. Yes. I love that. I love that so much because it took your own kind of falling off the, the wagon, if you will, in order to be able to realize that not only do 
I need this work, but the whole world needs it too. And I have a, you know, I always kind of share my story and, and very similarly suicidal thoughts. I had lost my dad. My friend was murdered a couple of weeks later. My mom attempted suicide a few months after that. Like I, I, I thought my life was going to be over too. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I hit that low, low that I was just like, I have to do something not only to heal myself, mm -hmm. but bring these healing practices to others. Right. And, and for me, that journey looked like going through, you know, the programs, the yoga, the Tai Chi, all that. And I really wanted to understand what were some of the modalities or some of the healing tools that you started to implement as you were transitioning out of the addiction, out of the self-mutilation, for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. the bulimia, bulimia is what it looked like for you, but it can look like so many other things right. to other people because it's almost just like an expression of hatred or judgment. Oh yeah. Of self. Yeah. And, and what were some of the things that you, you did to heal that aspect of you? Because obviously you knew you were worthy of that love. You just didn't have the capacity at the mm -hmm. time to give yourself that love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, meditation was huge mm -hmm. that summer. I stopped watching TV. <laughs> um, and, and started meditating and I would meditate over an hour a night and it was no matter, no matter what, right. No matter how tired I was, no matter how late it was, there was, I'm going to do this. And it doesn't matter if I fall asleep while I do it. Right. So meditation was the practice. Um, and the kind of mindset was very much, um, loving of the self, mm -hmm. and compassion. So have you heard of rain? No, I haven't. How do you spell that for R A I N? Okay. Like rain. Like the rain. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mindfulness compassion meditation practice. It stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. Recognize, and, allow, investigate, and nurture. Mm -hmm. And so you go through these four steps. Um, and it's usually about some turmoil, right? Some inner conflict or maybe some conflict you're having with someone else. Just something that the the, the question that you can kind of ask yourself to um, to land on what you're going to work on is what's between what's between me and well-being. Right. And, and whatever it is, then you can work with it. And so it's recognizing really kind of naming it and then allowing saying this belongs Instead of instead of pushing it away, instead of avoiding or or distracting, right? This belongs here, and it's it's okay that it's here right now, right? When we allow the the conflict or the turmoil or the pain, um, we're we're giving it permission, and this is usually in my experience. This was usually a part of me that was hurting the most, and so of course she would need to be allowed to be there. Um, and with the allowing, then you can turn into, let me investigate. Let me get a little bit deeper. Let me ask this part of me, what do you really need? Mm. What do you most need or what hurts the most? Mm. And usually it comes to, um, landing on a real ouch. Once you get to the ouch, there's a moment that really gets you because we do have, we all have that deep self-love, no matter how disconnected we are from it, it's there. If you investigate to the point where you land on it, the ouch, it activates that self-love. Oh, I, I don't want myself to be feeling this. Wow. You know, and then nurture is you call on either your high self or another being, right? It could be someone who, who actually exists in your life, an energetic being, or uh, it could be a deity. Um, you call on them to give that part of you the nurturing that it most needs. Mm. Um, so I, I did this. I did this over and over and over, sometimes multiple times a day. It's, it's how I quit smoking. <laughs> really asking myself, what are you needing the most when you have these cravings? Hmm. And to get to this, this place where I really uncovered that those were the moments when I felt no one in the world cares about me. And so if no one in the world cares about me, then I can just kill myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do I need the most? I need to know that I am deeply cared for. Yes. And how can I show up in that way? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I would say rain is 
the number one most transformative practice that I have done. And you have to do it again and again, right? But ultimately, when it becomes a practice, there's almost a joy that you can get from it because you get that nurturing. Yes. And then there's a step, like the, the extra step is after the rain where you stop all the doing and you just kind of marinate in it. It's kind of like after an actual rain, you get to smell that in the air. There's a calm, right? After the rain. And that's when that joy gets to settle in, that real feeling of being held. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And I hope that resonates deeply with someone who's listening today or watching us um, mm-hmm. on the podcast because I've spoken a lot to this, a very similar practice. I call it notice, name, and nurture. Mm-hmm. And so it's the three ends, yeah. but it's very similar practice in which you have to really see what you're going through and to the point of like, allow it, investigate, go deep into it to name what it is inside of you that's creating this pain and then nurturing it. Mm -hmm. And it's in the nurturing where I feel like a lot of people get tripped up because Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, do I go get a massage? (laughs) You know, do I go for a run? Do I go for a walk outside? Like there's all these things you can do to nurture, but really it's in the stillness of knowing and feeling that love for yourself in the nurturing aspect, because yes, you can do all those great self-care things. I love to take a hot salt bath mm-hmm. because it just literally, I can't move because it's so <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> for once I'm just still. Yeah. Um, yet at the same time, I'm feeling my energy. I'm feeling mm-hmm. my emotions. I'm, I'm communing with God. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's really fundamentally what you're expressing when you're talking about that nurturing and that integration after the rain and the smelling yeah. of the, the nice, fresh, you know, dew drops is the communing with God and knowing, mm-hmm. trusting, I am, I am loved and I am good. Mm-hmm. I love that you shared that because you said you did it multiple times a day, over and over oh, and over, yeah. until you started to develop your own practice. And when you started working with, say, your first client, like say, <laughs> you could, okay, I did it, Anchored Awakenings up and running. Like, how was it like starting to recruit people that you just transition your docket of cases over to the Anchored Awakening? How did you continue to grow that business and, and really start to market yourself now as the spiritual coach? which, you know, in this day and time, or even when you were doing it, it was still, it's still a little bit um, taboo, mm-hmm. for lack yeah. of better words. You know, literally on one of my previous podcasts, one of my guests, Tim Lindbergh of the House of Beautiful Business was just like, how do you have the courage to do this? <laughs> Talk about these things so freely. And I'm just like, if I don't do this, I would be dead. Okay. Like right. I yeah. here if I did this, <laughs> uh, if I didn't do this, you know, so really yeah. talk about that path for you and the recruiting, the marketing, and really the courage it takes to really stand on this. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think when you really feel it, the courage is already there. You mm-hmm. know, I've always said as a therapist, even I, I live my work. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's what made me such a good therapist mm-hmm. was that I truly believe in everything that I was saying, which is also why I had to leave. But I everything that I've ever helped clients through, I've done it myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that really informed the kind of clients I would take. So I, I wouldn't I, I I wouldn't want to work with someone who was going through something I didn't understand on some some, you know, soul level. Right. I'd say there's someone better fit for you. Right. And that way that the people that I really join with, I know that I can connect with. Um, And so the sort of the sort of messaging that I'm developing in in Anchored Awakening, um, it is interesting because I do think that there's still a stigma to it. And I did think about that. And I also have a lot of faith in my ability to um, to communicate um, spiritually, right? Like energetically, mm. I think. And, and that's why I, um, a really important part of my, um, my growth and marketing is podcasts, because I think I really, I most come alive when I'm talking, 
yeah. you know, one-on-one with someone and, yeah. and what better way to allow others to see that than to have conversations with people that other people could witness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I would say when I, when I've been able to engage in these more metaphysical practices with clients, there's, there's such, um, there's such emotion that we get to share, right? Um, especially um, as a therapist, we were virtual for so, so long. Yeah. Because it's considered um, healthcare. And yeah. as a coach, I've started to see people in person. Um, about yeah. half of my therapy caseload um, wanted, decided to join me in coaching. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so there are people who I've been working with virtually and I'd never met in person. And so for the first time we were like sharing that interpersonal energy and doing rain with someone, guiding them through that practice. There's just such heart there that I, I don't even, I don't even know if it's as comparable to a lot of other um, therapy modalities because Mm -hmm. it's not just talking, right? A lot of talk therapy is talking. Yeah. And that there are a lot of other ways of showing up in therapy. I want to honor that, um, that are very, um, they're very healing, but to dip even further into, you know, joining with someone or even taking on that nurturing energy for them, mm-hmm. right. When they get to the end and you're right, people really struggle with it. Yeah. Especially if they were never nurtured in that way as children, Yes. You know, they don't have a basis for it. They don't have context for it. Yes. And what I've noticed is that, um, and I definitely experienced this too myself, is that when you get to the end, you kind of freeze up. Like, oh, well, what's coming at me? You know, mm-hmm. or I don't trust this. Right. Coming at That's me. Hard. Yep. And so what I have really been able to do with clients is to say, will you allow me to nurture you? Can I offer some of this love for you mm-hmm. to give them that context, you know, and, and the, the nurturing statements, they tend to be quite simple. There are things like, I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. You're safe with me. Mm-hmm. They're so simple and they're so powerful because if you've never heard that or felt that from someone in your life, that part of you just breaks open. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I talk a lot through this energetically through our chakra system because I feel mm-hmm. like that's essentially where a lot of us have experienced the most traumas in our root and our sacral energies. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're speaking to when you're talking about I am safe with you, I'm here with you, you know, all of these 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 phrases and, and I guess emotions that we haven't quite felt in an honorable way in the highway. Um, frankly, because when we're thinking back to just the trajectory of consciousness on our planet, this is not, especially how our parents were raised. You know, Mm -hmm. my parents are African-American, but very similarly, very similar to an immigrant story because they were coming out of vast poverty and, and, you know, enslavement if you will of of many sorts systemically and in trying to find their way in this new paradigm that allowed for you know them to you know do more if you will Mm -hmm. and most of the time none of it felt safe for them um there I'm sure to how your mom felt she's always feeling like she's fighting for her life or fighting for you know everything because that was just what was required of her at that, you know, day and time. Mm-hmm. And so when we're raised around this energy, this essentially becomes our baseline existence. Mm-hmm. And right. so when we're working with ourselves first, of course, and then with others, we have to understand like this is where we came from. And understanding in that nurturing part to have that grace with ourselves too. Because even for me, like I'm I'm 38. So I'm kind of going through another kind of deep wave too of challenges. Mm-hmm also with my family <laughs> and um, and I'm having to remind myself very gracefully h- how well I'm doing just yeah. and it's what I have like four degrees two masters from Harvard like I have incredible career I've done all these great things yet there's still that inkling of 
not inkling, I would say there's still a lot of self-judgment there. Mm-hmm. A lot of, am I doing enough? Am I doing it well? Am I doing it right? And it's just like, if there's anybody on the planet that's equipped enough to do shit, Aaron, it could be you. It could be you. Like, <laughs> damn it. Like, what? <laughs> like, everybody else can see this. You can't see this. <laughs> and, and, but at the end of the day, that's that that root energy that continue that continuously mm-hmm. needs to be grounded, continuously mm-hmm. needs to be earthened because we've been ripped out of roots, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, from your home country, my my family in many different ways from its home country, and we're st- we're trying to establish that that rootedness and and that rootedness is like you said energetic, and what we experience in person, and so I love all that you share because that deeply resonates with me. Good, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just moving a little bit more into kind of just like, you know, what, you know, this integration looks like with you and your people. Like, do you have, I mean, of course you have to be mindful of what you share about your people, but in terms of how going from therapy to now this more integrated practice has benefited folks who you've worked with, can you speak to any like, you know, milestones or success stories or things that you, that really have affirmed rather, you know, that you are on the right path with this anchored awakening journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because this, the coaching is so new, like the official coaching is so new, Mm -hmm. but I would say as soon as I kind of had that own awakening of my own, Mm -hmm. I started to integrate a lot of, as much as I could into my therapy practice Mm-hmm. Anyway, because I thought, you know what, it's such a disservice if I don't share this with you, if, if I don't show up fully as me with you, my clients, you know, and with that shift, I really saw a lot of, um, there was just a light that turned on for people mm-hmm. where, um, and, and because a lot of my clients had been long-term clients, mm-hmm. um, they had started to say like, I see a change in you, mm. you you seem, you seem a lot different, right? You've really come alive. Um, one of my clients who I had seen her in person before COVID, and then we recently had our very first in-person session again after three years. Um, so she and her, her goals now are so different, right? In coaching versus therapy. Um, but she said, you know, I, I feel like you are so much of who you are now with us. Okay. Where, and I can, I can feel that too. As a therapist, there is, there is a holding back that you kind of need to do that I just was done with, you know? Yeah. Um, so in that showing up in that really more deeply energetic partnering with, right? Like I'm really here with you. And there was a lot more of the slowing down a little bit. Um, let's do some mindfulness together let's really connect with your inner child, you know, that kind of stuff. I saw a lot of opening in my clients as well, where they started to feel a lot more grounded in their self-love and they started to exhibit a lot more courage in their own decision-making and a lot more confidence too. Um, So if they were kind of unsure about some direction they were going in life where then they felt, you know, I, I'm going to go in this direction and I feel really good about it, right? Even though it's scary, even though, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty that lies ahead. I feel a lot more um, driven to do that. Mm. And, you know, I've had clients make huge decisions in their own businesses, right? So mm. she's running her own business since she was quite young and kind of had some leftover bits from it that she was holding on to out of fear, but they really weren't serving her anymore. And she really wanted to take the business in a whole other direction. And what was holding her back was, what if I fail, you know? And the more she listened to herself and checked in with her intuition, the more she was like, I'm not going to fail. Like what you were saying, I'm not going to fail. I've built this business from the ground up. I'm not going to fail. Yeah. work hard. I know how to hustle. This is meaningful to me. And so I'm going to let this piece go. I'm going to let some people down, which is terrifying to her, right? I'm going to let some people down and trust that they will be okay. And that I will be okay. 
And it's, it was just, it's been so inspiring to watch her grow. And, and such an honor to know that her growth has been, um, has been alongside me, right? That, like, I, there's no other feeling in the world like that. Mm. That's so beautiful because y'all, you said y'all are doing it together. So <laughs> you just said you started this a few months ago. Yeah. And now you're seeing someone who just in a short few months has been able to really accelerate their life path because of you. Mm-hmm. Because of you. Yeah. And what you inspire within yourself. And that's really reflected upon them. Because that's mm-hmm. all it is, is. We're just reflectors of each other. Right. And that just really, it, it kind of gave me goosebumps. You saw it. <laughs> my eyes at one point I was like this is like speaking to my soul and it really is because you know the hardest part about this work is the the ripple effects mm-hmm. and we're just conditioned oftentimes to be people pleasers to make everyone happy and mm-hmm. the only measure of success is if everyone's happy with you yeah. and Unfortunately, in life, that is just not going to be the case. Actually, it's never the case um, because of the, the world of duality that we live in, frankly. And I love how you acknowledged very, um, you know, directly that I may let some people down along this journey. Some mm-hmm. people may not be happy with some of these decisions. And not only may they be happy, but they may talk shit about me. They may mm-hmm. throw shit at me. <laughs> they may take me to court. There may be a lot of ramifications from this shift, okay? Mm-hmm. All of the which I'm going through and have gone through, okay? <laughs> and so, so this is what that hero's journey looks like, mm-hmm. if you know, or a uh, heeress, <laughs> um, goddess, god journey, goddess journey, is that it takes shaking shit up. To really get the results of your dreams. And we don't realize that our dreams disrupt the world around us. And that disruption also comes with the cost. And that cost can look many different ways. But I can assure you from my own experience and to all that folks that are listening, that you will triumph. You will come out triumphant, whatever it looks like or however harsh it looks, however scary it looks, because you're walking with God now. Mm -hmm. And when you're walking with Allah, with God, with source, with the universe, the multiverse, the spirit guides, the archangels, you are fiercely protected. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for yeah. that affirmation. Yes, because of what I experienced personally, like you said earlier, like you can only speak from your own personal experiences and your own personal journey. And frankly, that's how I move. And no matter how many degrees I get or certifications, it really pales in comparison to my my life's experiences. Mm-hmm. Because my favorite... Um, my favorite teacher, Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, a lot of folks love her. Um, She always says that words don't teach. And as much as I used to listen to her words, she's absolutely right because it's not, it's with not without the experience that we can actually grow and evolve. Mm -hmm. So we really have to move, move with these experiences. And so, um, yeah, I would love to kind of get into a little bit more around um, kind of where you see, anchored awakening going like if we could just have a visioning moment right now since you just started I did not realize that (laughs) um and we are and we kind of met in this podcast group where we're all kind of like swapping and growing Mm -hmm. with each other and learning with each other you know if you could look like let's say three to five years down the road like where where do you where would you love to see your work I would love to be reaching way more people than I'm reaching right now right (laughs) so right now I'm I'm sticking with um one-on-one coaching and I think there's always going to be a part of me that really wants to do that you know there's something about that energetic connection there's something about really knowing and honoring another person's story and at the same time I'm only one person yeah Um, and I think that there's something really powerful um about kind of spreading a message and being able to just know that there's a connection that can be made out there. Right. Um, 
And so eventually I would really like to be able to offer online courses um, still in the vein of happiness. And um, there's also a, a program that I have around dating, um, yeah. so happiness and love. Yeah. Um, two of the things that I struggle with the most in my life and that at this point in my life, I'm very well grounded in. And so I really just want to be able to help other women to, um, to really get on that journey for themselves as well. Um, so I'm looking at <clears throat> writing out some online courses for that, maybe leading some workshops. It would be really cool to be able to do some retreats so I can meet people in person and we can have these intensives and get really experiential, right? And also share stories and really commune in sisterhood. Um, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and at some point, I also think that I would love to have my own podcast um, where I either have someone that I talk with all the time, like so a, a shared podcast with someone else, or where I invite guests on as well mm -hmm. and really just start to um, share in all of this energy that we're all walking into, right? Because there is so much out there. And I think a lot of us have, you know, we have our unique experiences, but we're also so connected in them. There's such... Um, there's such a shared humanness. Yes. That, yes. Right? And, and, and I feel this whenever I have conversations like this, right. I just feel so high. <laughs> you know? yes. and keep doing that. And could we create more and more opportunities for us to really get, get spiritually high in just sharing and connecting and knowing, right. Knowing that you're, you're out there knowing your journey, knowing your story right? And how many of us are there out there? How many people can I touch with this? Yes. That's really my goal. Okay, let's touch and agree with Carol on that vision, because that's a beautiful, beautiful vision, and I can see it all for you. And it's, you know, it's already done. Mm -hmm. It's already done. Yeah. So um, we're wrapping up here. I would love for our listeners and viewers to be able to tap in with you, um, whether for sessions or to learn more about, you know, your offerings, especially as it relates to the happiness and the coaching. So what are some things that you're offering now, if you have any openings and then how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I do have openings right now. Um, so I have two programs. One is happiness. Um, it's called Say Yes to the Life You Want. And it really walks you through the first, the first phase is really phase is really diving into asking yourself that authentic question. You know, what do you really want? Not like what do you want out here, but like what is what does your heart and soul really want? What is your true core self? driving you to do, right? And once we have that answered, then we walk through the domains of self and work and career and then relationships and community to really see how can you best live by those values that really are you. Um, and that's that's really the key to happiness. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one of the programs. The other one is a dating program um, and it's called Date Smart Find Love. And it's a lot more tactical in that it's really looking at the struggles that women have um, in the space of dating men and how, how much we've been led to go wrong there. Mm -hmm. um, and really asking the question of like, what, what does love really mean, right? What sort of relationship is truly going to balance you? Um, and then how do you look for that? Mm-hmm. How do you filter out who's not going to give you that? And a lot of those answers can be very surprising mm -hmm. um, and counter to a lot of the messaging that we've gotten about love relationships. Interesting. Um, yeah. So there's definitely a, a very deep um, kind of spiritual knowing of self component to both these programs. Um, and how people can find out more about them is through my website. It's anchoredawakening.com. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram. It's Anchored Awakening, um, where I share lots of information about mental health, kind of based from my experience as a therapist, and really trying to point out where some of the information on social media about mental health maybe isn't quite accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really want to um, let people know what I'm about and the things that like basically what I'm going to use um, and what approach I have when I work with you. 
These yeah. are all the things that um, I'm sharing on the Instagram. Um, I'm about to go into, I'll probably spend another week or so um, on like happiness tips, just as a way of like giving people some information, um, things they can practice easily. And so it's a lot of like, you can take this and have it because I want to help you. And if you want to go deeper, get in touch with me and we can really start working together. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much, Carol. I am just sending you so much light Thank you so for much. your journey and continuing to grow your practice because we need more of you out here. <laughs> we need you. We Thank need you. you. Thank you Girl so needs much. You. <laughs> for all of those who are listening and maybe watching for the first time, I am Erin Patton again, and you can find me and follow me on social media at I am Erin Patton, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. And also you can check out more resources um, for uh, the Meta Business Millennial and the Meta Business World at themetabusiness.world. And of course, continue to follow the Meta Business Millennial podcast. We will have more episodes for you soon. And until then, much love and peace. Did you really love this episode of the Meta Business Millennial podcast? Well, I am honored and I appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review and sharing it with your friends because your feedback allows us to co-create more enlightened conversations. And if you're interested in growing your soul now, head over to my website, erinpatton.com to find all the show notes, links, and free resources to get your energy activated today. In the meantime, stay bright, my friends. Much love and light. Peace.